year I was doing her on stage. And then we decided to shoot those videos in my own old rent control department. We put them up, you know, and uh, she just took off. I mean, you know, we were shooting a lot of sketches back then. We were also kind of ahead of our time in the that we were shooting internet videos because, you know, it was very early for that too. You know, Facebook had only been out a couple of years. YouTube was early. Everything was early. So people organically just shared her and, uh, you know, I have no control over what people are going to connect to and people really connect to her, especially in New York and Miami. Those are the two big uh, places for Maurice. You know, obviously um, the Cubans down there just love her. <laughs> well, I will say this. Uh, there's a Westchester here in Miami as well, just so you know, I right know, on the, uh, know, the, the southbound here. Times. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. We, so, we've uh, got a question here from MT Movement it says, what did you love about Miami? I'll add a follow-up to that. And why did you leave? I left because um, the show was tanking and I wanted to get back to stand-up, get back to New York. I did another sports show. I came back to New York and did this sports show for AOL called Two Point Lead, which was so much fun. I interviewed athletes that I grew up watching, you know, Glenn Rice. I mean, the, the Steph Curry, the list goes on and on. And, uh, and the show was tanking. I mean, the network wasn't really working out. And um, so it was time to come back. But what I love about Miami is Miami's now a full city. It's a big city. When I went down there in like, you know, spring break, it was just really South Beach. And now, like you said, Miami's just becoming so big. It's a comedy scene and it's a full city where you have downtown, you got Brickell, you got the beach, of course. Doral's now getting populated. Everything's getting, Miami Gardens is getting generated. Oh man, you know Miami well. Yeah, Doral is actually the next Brickell. Miami, bro. I'm down in Miami, bro. What's up, bro? Let's go to Miami, bro. <laughs> so it's a, it's a big city, man. And it's a, I love the Latin, you know, it's just it, the Latin flavor down there is beautiful. It's a beautiful culture. It's a lively, vivacious, vibrant culture. And, and Miami is it. Miami's a Latin city. It's America's a Latin city. It's a Latin American city where you go and experience the food. I mean, I didn't even know Peruvian food was like a full cuisine till I went. I thought it was just, I thought you just got like, it was an appetizer at a Mexican restaurant. I didn't know they had their own. Peruvian food is probably the most underrated cuisine in the world. I think it's better than sushi. Me too. It's got it's, that it's raw really, take on it, yeah. Yeah, so Miami's that, man. Miami's got flavor. Yeah, more, more seasoning in the uh, ceviche than the sushi itself. It's always the same thing, right? It's always either like uh, ginger or wasabi, right? The, yep. the ceviche has like the, the yellow, um, what's it called? What's the yellow one? The, the you know what you want to talk about? The Venezuelan yellow? Uh, ahi? Ahi, no, no. Ahi, yeah. <laughs> ahi is good. Uh, ceviche with um, cilantro, like that green cilantro juice is delicious. Uh, I was actually having it the other day. I was in the Miami Design District. Have you... Uh, passed by there recently have you I seen this new era of miami that's coming out i was down there uh, about a year and a half ago or what was it was that two it might have been two years or last year i can't remember and before that i hadn't been down there since uh 2014 when i left so i have seen the development oh i was just recently down there i did schultz's podcast and i was down in uh brickle and i saw the development of brickle and um and the, my, the design district I haven't been to yet, but I heard it's blown up. It's, it's almost scary how expensive that place is. It almost seems like it's putting a stake to show everybody that we probably won't be able to afford this city in a few years. 
everything there is like four figures up any every flip-flop every underwear every purse every wallet four figures minimum yeah well you know everyone's moving down to miami because they love that no state taxes so they're moving down there yeah uh, well, the state taxes, I believe, is hidden uh, uh, on the sun passes because we, we've got like three sun passes for going one mile eastbound. Um, oh, I remember that sun pass. Yeah, they're they're Yeah, they're building sun passes way faster than actual uh, streets that they say it's funding. Now, uh, yeah, Miami, it looks like New York in like the 20s. There's just cranes everywhere. They're just building up. Uh, someone asked, do you uh, do you get into character for Marisa by tucking it in? Of course, you gotta come back. You gotta go full. I get. You gotta go. You gotta get. You gotta go method acting with it. I'm fully tucked. I'm fully tucked. All right. So, um, Yanis, are you from New York? Do I have that right? I'm from Brook, yeah, I'm from Brooklyn, New York. Now, what has changed in the city of New York uh, uh, in comedy after the pandemic? Like, what have you noticed? Well, um, it, you know, obviously, I think people really realized how important the internet was. I think that that really uh, got nailed home for a lot of people because that's how you really had to survive during the pandemic. So I think that has changed a lot of people's mindsets about how they have to constantly attack the internet with content as well, because we couldn't do standup. Um, standup's back now though, the clubs are open and uh, you know, it's getting back to full capacity. And so it's business as usual. And uh, on that front, I don't think much has changed at all. Uh, it seems like we're just getting right back to business, and um, it's great. Yeah, we've been doing a lot of speakeasies here in Miami. Um, you know, things were unofficially open during the pandemic, and, um, you know, a lot of comedians moved over here. Um, I know you've worked with Andrew Schultz before, apart from his podcast. He produced your special over at the New York Comedy Club called Blowing the Light. How did you guys uh, get together to make this project happen? Well, Schultz is a good friend. I've known him, you know, uh, since the beginning, since he started. You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, I was a little ahead of him. I've been doing it a little while longer. He's just a great dude. We're good friends, and we sat down over dinner one time. And, uh, at the time, Burr was thinking about producing my special Comedy Central, but there was a lot of shit with that because he had some deal, and it, it was just taking too long. And I was talking to Schultz about it over dinner, and he was, he was just like, "Let's shoot it. Let's shoot it. Let's just do it ourselves." So I was like, cool. And uh, we just put it together and sold the tickets. And it cost me a couple grand. It wasn't much at all. And we just threw it up. And that was it. That's awesome, man. I love stories like that. So uh, follow up question. What do you think about self-producing these days as a comedian? You got to do it. I think it's great. I think it's great. You give yourself a chance to get in the ecosystem and for something to take off. Put your stuff out there. I think that's the big difference in comedy now. It's just like, give your stuff away. Be prolific. Come up with new stuff. Stand up is just one of the um, one of the aspects of being a comedian now, and that's what people need to accept. It's not even the biggest part anymore. I mean, that's hard for a lot of people to hear. Totally, but it, it's not the biggest part of being a comedian anymore. It's a it's a it's a great part. It's a fun part, but you know, you can reach what a couple hundred people at a time. Yeah, yeah. the most. You can reach thousands of people, uh, you know, um, online. So you have to do both. You got to do it all. You got to have some sort of podcast or brand and uh, and put yourself out there. Put your stuff out there. You know, that this is very inspiring coming from you, Yanis. I've been following your work ever since you came to my Sushi Lounge underground show back in like 2014. Uh, yeah, awesome to hear from you, man. Um, Mario. Oh, I, re I remember that. Yeah, that's when I was living in Miami. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were doing the Fusion show. Mario here, a good friend of mine, also a great comedian here in Miami. Mario Romil asks, 
Do you write for sketches differently than you do for stand-up, or is it the same process, just executed differently? Same process, just executed differently. You know, you come up with a premise, and you either explore that premise through the filter of stand-up, where you're doing it yourself, or you put it in characters. Uh, you know, it's the same thing, just different execution, for sure. A comedic premise, you, it's all, it all comes down to what the premise is. What's the idea? And then... Um, you know, you execute it either working it out on stage as a bit or writing it down as a story. You know, one thing I'm learning as I'm getting better in my writing, I've realized that hot takes is always a winner in comedy. Just a different way to look at something that's hilarious. Like I was just uh, reviewing uh, some of the your bits here on your special. I love the stock market thing for wedding. That is such a great take. Um, like you got to be in the zone to really come up with this kind of creativity to kind of have that perspective. Like what's your writing process? Like, do you have any preferences and topics? Do you have any sort of experiences, routines, anything you want to share? It's, um, it's really whatever I think of that I notice or think is funny. And, uh, I don't do, I don't write anything down for stand up. Like I don't, I don't write a thing except maybe the premise or idea when I think of it. So I don't forget it. And I do all of the writing through riffing. I, I write on stage. So I go up on stage with the idea. And uh, in the moment with the crowd, you know, they kind of help me find the funny. And then I just look for a beginning, middle, and end of the joke. That's sort of the, the key. Is, uh, and you always want the end to be sort of the biggest laugh if you can. So that's where the crafting comes into, uh, comes into play. You know, you want, you want to set it up. You want to pace in the middle. And then you want that biggest laugh at the end if you can get it. And that's sort of a, there's no perfect joke, but that's how you get that joke as perfect as it can get. All right, we have a question here. Let me see if I can put it up. I never know how this Q&A stuff works, but somebody figured it out. All right, Lorenza Sands says, uh, what do you think is next in the world of comedy? Uh, what I think is next in the world of comedy is comedians fighting. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta do a boxing match or MMA. Or, you know what? Yeah. There's some truth to this. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think uh, I heard Dave Smith running for president. I mean, I don't fucking know, man. There's no rules anymore. Everything's been broken down. You know, uh, everyone's trying to make a name for themselves by trying to cancel you, or or I, they're fighting. I mean, there's no rules. There's there's no lines. Everything's blurred. And uh, it, it, this is a great, what's next in comedy is be independent, create your own shit, whatever that is, create your own stuff. And um, it's never been more true than now. And use the internet. The internet is more powerful than anything you could get from television or the industry. It's like, we're all kind of like touring bands right now, just growing our fan bases. And it's the best time to be a comedian. It used to be only like three or four comedians got picked and that was it. So now. You, everyone has an opportunity. You can't really complain, you know, because like, oh, the industry's not doing this. Fuck the industry. Right, the, right. the people I know who are making the most money have nothing to do with the industry anymore. Yeah, the industry wants them, actually. Exactly. Like when you look at Schultz's career, he's got his awesome YouTube channel and podcast, and then now he's just like, he announces a show and they get sold out. And it becomes secondary. Like, I always tell people I meet in, in you know, in comedy, I'm like, you know, online is first, on stage is second. For the, for the exact reason you said. Exactly. Couldn't have said it better. All right. I got another question here from Dade Cash. Says, are you going to have any meet and greets after the show this weekend at the Improv? Absolutely, man. After the shows this weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Mauricio will be on the late shows on Friday and Saturday. 
I'll do a meet and greet after every show. So come on out. It's going to be fun. Fantastic. Miami's always a party. I go down to Miami. I, I, I'm actually more excited to perform in Miami than I, it's like a vacation from comedy. The normal comp, because it's, it's a party, especially with Marisa. Like when I do her down there, it's just a party. It's just like one big night out. And uh, it's so much fun. It's a party town, and I'm just ex- I'm just excited for the weekend. Yeah, I already got my Sunday passes. I- I'm I'm going with a date myself to go check you out. Hopefully, front row. Uh, nice. I-, I got nice. here a-, a big fan that says, "Will you and Chris work together again in the future?" I don't know who Chris is. Chris Stefano from our podcast History Hyenas. Oh, History Hyenas, right? Yeah, I'm sure we'll work again in the future. I'm sure. Okay, <laughs> short and sweet. Uh, ask if you'll crack open and clean out any fans post show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I won't. I'm married. Of course I won't do that. He knows that. He's just being a <laughs> <laughs> he knows the deal. I mean, you got the wrong hyena for that one. <laughs> All right. Uh, tell us about, uh, let's see. Now, are you currently working? I know you also have uh, Mr. Panos, uh, which is also a favorite of mine, but where, uh, where does he come from? Are you Greek? Do you have a background? Did you live with Greeks? I am Greek. I'm Greek. So Mr. Panos, uh, much like Maurice, is just an amalgamation of people I've met, characters, things I've observed, um, you know, some of the foibles of the culture. And, uh, you know, he's just a, you know, he's a grumpy old Greek guy. And um, he, he's a combination of really parts of my mom and a lot of other people that I've met throughout my life. All right. And are you currently working on any new characters? Yeah, I got a bunch, man. Yeah, but which uh, one are you doubling down on? Because those two are the ones that stand out the most. Would you, would you yeah, agree with that? Yeah, those are the two ones that really pop. What's the third? Now, yeah, people love Derek. Uh, Derek is a Florida guy. He's from Tallahassee. He owns a, like, a, it's sort of like America in a bar. You know, he's the typical outside of Miami, Florida guy. What's up, brother? This is Derek. I'm the proprietor of the Pink Lagoon Crock Pit Flamingo, brother. Come <laughs> on down. This week we got special bartender Casey Anthony in the building. <laughs> so they love him. Of course, people love fucking Sean Tyree. Fucking, he's a firefighter for fucking out of bars. Yeah. I like and that guy. I yeah, know that guy. Tyree. I'm from Long Lada Island. Lada yeah. yeah <laughs> Uh, and of course, there's Luke St. Simon, and uh, he puts everybody on fucking notice. <laughs> Do you understand? So he's more of like your woke character that kind of just, you know, calls you on your shit. I'm calling you on your fucking shit. <laughs> and, uh, but uh, definitely Derek seems to be the standout. Uh, Sean Terry, too. So those two really people really love. But Derek is some, something that people are having a lot of fun with. Well, what, one thing I really uh, like about your comedy style, uh, Yanis, is that you're, you're also really good at, at writing, as we, we were uncovering here, and as well as creating characters. Now, usually, I always see that it's either one or the other, and you've got a really good balance for it, right? Like, that's your, it's kind of like your knack, because, like, it looks like you have a lot of fun, but your writing can also get, like, really philosophical. Now, do you find that balance to be a little bit difficult, you know, with the branding part of it? Like, I know you've got Marisa as a separate brand, like an She's got her own Instagram account. He, she, they have their own Instagram account. And you've got yours. Like, how do you balance the branding between characters that pop and you yourself as an individual? That's a great, that's actually a great question. It is, it's, it's been a challenge. 
um, because certain people are fans of one thing and they don't know about another thing. And I think previously it was, it was more of a challenge when things were definitely more specific and the industry was trying to figure out who you were and what your story is. Now I think it's an advantage because I can do so many things and do my own show where I do all of them. So, but yeah, I mean, I've, I'm, I, it, it has been a marketing problem. Yeah. Because some people will watch me go on a rant or whatever. And they'll be like, is this the same guy who just parties as Morisa? Like it's a totally different, uh, totally different uh, experience. And uh, a lot of times people aren't up for it and they're up for one thing and not the other. Yeah. So I, I've kind of been maybe a victim of my own diversity of executions, uh, so to speak, in a lot of ways. Yes, it well, is a challenge. It's a great question. It's something I've thought about a lot. Well, one thing I'll, I'll, uh, I'll pitch your way is something that I read. Check out uh, this book, Known, which talks about your, your, your issue here with the branding. And uh, even though like Giannis probably won't reach the masses like uh, Marisa did, however, uh, if you do like something like a podcast in the long run, the ones that do follow you are, are better followers than the ones that follow like some, you know, branded thing. That's because it's very surfacey kind of relationship because when they see you as an individual and like your, I would say like your legacy in the long run, those are the ones that buy the shirts, subscribe to the podcast, tell their friends, but it's really like a, a, a time game, you know, according to this book, like you just got to keep doing it to the point where it's like, I'm not even trying to go viral. I'm, this is just my art. This is just who I am. You know what I mean? Yeah. What's the name of the book? I want to read it. It's called known by Mark Schaefer. It changed the way I do comedy because I was always like, how am I going to get my next big break? What do I got to do? But then when I just started producing shows, even if they were shitty, like in the beginning, like when you saw me at that sushi place, I just did it for years to come. And then eventually everything was just on automatic because I was like, oh, the comedy guy that does the thing in Miami. Yeah, we'll go check out his show. They don't even say hi to me. Like people, people know, about, people know about me and my shows. They're like, oh, yeah, it's the guy that runs it. Anyways, I'm here for the comedy. Right. So I was like, fuck it. As long as you're here buying tickets, I'm OK with that. You know what I mean? It, and it's because like. Even though it's not, again, it's not something that can be followed as easily as like a character or a brand like that. It's uh, it's still respected in the long run. Check it out. It's it's a big game changer. Uh, two more questions here. Let's see. Uh, ever think of doing the old Spanish who owns a bodega in Brooklyn? I don't know what he's. I don't know what he's referring to. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that question is. All right. Well, um, let's wind it down here. Uh, recently on your podcast, uh, what are some of the hot topic or takes that you spoke on the uh, Long Days podcast? Like, what were your, some of your favorite recent episodes on there? Yeah, um, I guess some of the topics I had fun with was Me Too, kind of separating the art. Oh, yeah, I saw that. <laughs> I loved it. Yeah. I came up with the idea that there should be like, you know, there should be like an island, like the UFC had that island during quarantine, and you put all the people who've been Me Too'd on there, and then you know, they get to do like a Zoom show. Like we don't lose their, they, they suffer, but we don't suffer by losing their art. We actually force them to continue to do the art that we love, but their life sucks. But cause you know, their, their, their art or their performance didn't do the bad things they did. So we need, we still, I still need R. Kelly songs, but we can't have R. Kelly. So put him and just make him Zoom <laughs> all his content to us. We can all tune in and watch R, an R. Kelly concert on Zoom from prison. Totally. <laughs> that's awesome uh, yeah, the, the, uh that one and uh yeah i mean uh you can check them out on my instagram page i post clips all the time from the, from the podcast 
The party hardy asks, are you thinking of making money by opening for your wife? Your wife is a comedian. She can headline yeah. and just walk around. Oh, she can headline and just walk around. Yeah. Cause she's good looking They're They're trolling. Yeah. Cause she's, she's a piece. Really? She's, how, my how... wife is beautiful. And so they like to bust my balls about that. <laughs> well, you know what they say, man, humor is probably one of the most important things that a woman looks for in a man's character. Right. Hey, I mean, I did. Okay. I mean, I wish you my type of success. I mean, <laughs> no matter what happens in my career, I love my wife. I love my kid. My wife's peace. So that's all that fucking matters. She's a peace and she gets fucking cracked and cleaned. Uh, awesome. Awesome way to respond to that. Uh, let's see. Last one. How do you navigate cancel culture and writing comedy? Oh, thank you for that, Lorenzo. I like that one. How do you navigate it? I don't I don't pay attention to it, really. Um, I think um, I, I think people call it consequence call. I think there's truth to that, depending on, I think sometimes it's cancel culture and it's uncalled for, and sometimes it's consequence culture and it's called for. You got to kind of treat, treat each one on an individual basis and not get swept away by like frenetic group think and movements. And I think for anything anyone says, you know, if you get offended, so what? You grow up, you're offended, you live tomorrow. The worst that you got, not, not everything is not for everybody. When you get when you say I'm offended, you're making it about you. It's not about you. If other people enjoy it, move on. So when people say things that are wrong, uh, even when they're not trying to be funny and they say something angry or racist or whatever it is, people should should tell them that was wrong and it hurt me or whatever. But but also they should forgive people. I mean, people say all types of shit as far as what people do things like when you have a Cosby situation or some of these other people who are accused of doing horrible things. Um, then, then, uh, you know, I, I support the canceling of those people. Like they're doing horrible things as uh, how I deal with it. Um, I, I don't, I'm lucky enough, I guess that I don't have that addictive personality where I have to do risky shit and fucking dark shit in my personal life. I'm married. I have a kid. I don't have a lot of skeletons in my closet. Thank God. <laughs> so I don't think about cancel culture that much. And I definitely don't think about it when I'm writing. I, I say what I want. And, um, you know, the most important thing is that, you know, your heart's in the right place. You're, you're a good person. You don't judge people. I mean, if you're judging people based on their race, their gender, their sexuality in 2021, it's just fucking, it's just boring. It's hat. It's been done. It's like, what are you doing? Like, you know, you're living your life and you're not even getting to know people or trying new things or seeing different perspectives. So uh, I just keep an open mind and don't try to be judgmental about people. And uh, I think that comes through in my comedy a lot. Uh, I'm a little rascal. I don't like, I don't mind stirring the pot and making people a little aggravated if it's, if it's for fun. But uh, I don't really think about it that much. And I think that's the key is, um, you know, because I think if you're thinking about what the audience is going to like or respond to, then you're not, you're not going for the funny. You should be trying to be going for the funny. And that's what makes comedy dangerous now because a lot of times you're going for the funny and you fuck up. And people go, look at what you said. And you're like, you know, that's, that's kind of my job is to say the wrong thing. Right. I mean, what, 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 what comedian got funny from saying the right thing at the right, right. time? The class clown says the wrong thing at the wrong time. So you just got to try not to have hate in your heart and then fucking just worry about the funny. Well said, man. I believe people, who, uh, comedians who have good intentions can uh, walk on that border, that boundary uh, with, with, you know, a clean slate, because it's like, you know, we're not doing anything wrong. We're just pushing the boundary here. And if you look in history, like, you know, Lenny Bruce, George Carlin, Richard Pryor, like the ones that uh, touched upon 
you know, hot topics that were slightly offensive were the ones that were remembered, you know? Uh, so congratulations on not being afraid of cancel culture. Uh, you know, so any other plugs that you want to pitch in here, um, I'll go ahead and do this one for you. Uh, you guys can check out Giannis Papas this weekend at the Miami Improv, uh, pretty much the best comedy theater here in the city of Miami over in Doral City Place. The showtimes are Friday, Saturday, Sunday, 8, 1030, Friday, Friday, Saturday, and 8 o'clock Sunday. Any other plugs you want to get in here? That's it. Just uh, watch my podcast, my podcast, Long Days with Giannis Papas. Watch my special, Blowing the Light. It's free on YouTube. And uh, I love you people. And I'll see you in Miami. Marisa will be on the late shows on Friday and Saturday. Uh, so if you want to see her, get tickets for there. But I'll always throw her in, even if you got the early show or something. I may even do her on Sunday. Who the fuck cares? <laughs> All right. Well, I'll definitely be there on Sunday. Uh, Giannis, thank you so much for your time, man. And I look forward to seeing you this weekend and hopefully in the near future when you get more shows here. All right. Thanks for joining us, man. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Bye. All right, guys. The very funny, the very hilarious Giannis Pappas. All right. Let's do some last minute reads here before we get the fuck out. Uh, This show is sponsored by... L.U. Venus, everybody, who is a health insurance agent and a subject matter expert in the world of health insurance. So use him as a resource. If you have questions, he has answers. He helps the people that are are most uh, having questions about uh, health insurance because they believe it to be unaffordable. And those who do have health insurance and are complaining about how much it costs. He can help anyone anywhere with anything regarding their health insurance. So call him today, 305-335-3944. All right, everybody, uh, MiamiComedy.com is a specialized website, so you can find the comedy shows here in the city of Miami. We are a community of locals as well as comedians making you laugh every day. I'll see you guys on the next episode of the Miami Comedy Podcast. Have a great night, everybody. Bye.